Good afternoon and welcome to the show. So we've got a great show planned for you today. Greg Bedell from BNN House Money is going to be joining us. Greg has been a consistent guest of ours and always has a great interpretation on what's going on with the market. Talks to all the economists and it's great to have Greg join us because again, we get the real goods instead of the hot the headlines that are out there. Also, later in the hour, Minutes with the Mayor, we're going out to Brampton and it's Mayor Linda Jeffrey is going to be joining us and a lot going on there. Did you know that Brampton is the ninth biggest city in Canada and continues to grow? Well, we'll get her take on Brampton and where it's going and where it's been actually. So we'll know a little bit more at the end of the hour. Also, I'm going to be talking a lot about the marketplace, all sorts of headlines making it this week as usual. Um, but I'm going to also talk to a little bit of our Simple Investor crowd out there. You can go to the simpleinvestor.com anytime you want and find out what is going on. Also, for those of you that have RRSPs, TFSAs, uh, we have our RSP program now released for people that uh, want to be part of a project. Uh, there is a minimum requirement, so if you want more information, make sure you go to thesimpleinvestor.com and also our Master Investor Program. We've got a new development that we're working with. So, lots going on with us. So, remember, you can just go to our website and find out more. On top of that, we've got an announcement coming up in August. That's right. Mark your calendar. In August, we are going to have our new release. So you may want to keep your calendar open for that one. Uh, it's going to be really exciting. And I don't think it's going to last. Last time when we released London, sold out in two hours. So pretty exciting stuff coming up for the summer with The Simple Investor. But let's talk about the market itself. Is it a blip or is the GTA housing market on the verge of a severe correction? Well, taking a look at the month of June, we do know that the market did detract. Uh, prices did go down. Number of units being sold actually dropped. And you know, one of the things that I always got a kick out of was going through the market over the last 18 to 24 months, there was that conversation where everybody said, hey, listen, we don't have to do an open house. We simply put the house on the market. It will sell itself. What we're going to do is we're going to wait a week. We're going to get multiple offers. We're going to underprice it. We're going to go way over asking. And the mentality has completely changed. Now, more and more open houses are springing up. And one of the funny things is less buyers are going to them. In fact, we're at the point where most realtors are saying that the amount of people showing up at their open houses are almost making it not worthwhile to do. Now, just so everybody understands open houses, you know, a lot of people think it's your nosy neighbor that's going to take a, take a look, run through, and actually take a look at your decor and see what you've done. Is it true? Yeah, I got to be honest with you, after years and years of doing them, you can be guaranteed that some of your neighbors do show up because they're just kind of curious and they want to get a gauge on what their house is worth in comparison to yours. But here's the other thing. A lot of times, and I'm only going to call out what I would call the lazy agents, not the ones of you that know that you are good, hardworking agents, but the lazy ones, the ones that turn around and say, hey, listen, go out, look at open houses, and if you happen to see something you like, let me know, and then I'll take book a showing and take you through. There's nothing wrong with that. It's a lot of times people want to go at their own speed 
MSB. They don't want to listen to the agent chatter again. They're saying, are you going to buy this house? Are you going to buy this house? So I understand. But agent, uh, the idea of doing an open house actually can be very, very sensical for buyers. And the reason why is that some people will pick on a neighborhood. They'll see a sign come up and they'll you know gravitate towards that. If they've already picked the school area, your house happens to fall in the school area, you know, then it makes sense. One of the things, though, that I want to give some people tips on when we talk about actual open houses, there's a couple safety measures that you want to make sure. I'm a big fan that I believe two people should work in open house, or you have the policy that one per, if you're going to have a couple through, you lock the door, put a little note saying showing in progress. You don't allow people just to rummage through a house. Now, again, back in the olden days, you know, agents would just sit down with the remote control, watch TV and say, have a look around. Well, a, you're not helping sell the property, but B, you're also not keeping it safe. So if you're going to do an open house, here's a couple of things for a checklist. Make sure that your agent will provide the safety measures of either locking the door or having two parties there, one to greet and one to walk people around. First and foremost, very important. The next thing, of course, is making sure that they have brochures to hand out to everybody. If you simply hand somebody just an MLS listing, so that little eight and a half by 11 piece of paper that gives all the stats that you already found out on the computer, that's not going to entice anybody to turn around and think about the property when they leave. You know, it's always good to have a brochure. Let them see the highlights that they had just seen when they go home and say, yeah, you remember that bedroom? Well, we can change the color, but this is it. And of course, the other thing is make sure your house is ready. A lot of people don't realize that the, your clutter that you don't see, everybody else does. So the idea of going through decluttering, you know what? Box things, leave the boxes in the garage, no biggie. Turn around, make sure that you don't have any and I hate to put it this way, any offensive cooking odors. And when I say that, a lot of times people say, well, hang on, that's our culture. That's what we do. Well, you want to keep it as fresh and clean as possible. So my recommendation always in open houses, you know what? You can brew coffee. A lot of tricks of the olden day agents, they used to say bake cookies, but the idea is that you're creating a home environment. Now, not everybody's going to do this, and I don't expect everybody to do this. But if you got time to get your house ready for an open house, make sure you do. Make sure you've got your grass cut, make sure that there's no old newspaper sitting on the walkway, make it presentable. Because at this day and age, we've got to look at a couple of things. Most importantly, if a market starts to go down, as we are now currently seeing, then you need to be able to focus yourself on getting the best price with the most number of people. If your house shows really well, you stand a better chance of getting an offer than if people have to look past things. As soon as you have to start looking past things, they're gonna start reducing your price. In other words, you know, well, that doesn't look very nice. That's messy. They don't see the true value. So tips that you can utilize would be the ones that I've just listed. Again, very important. If you're gonna do open houses, make sure that you're ready for them. Now, it also doesn't uh, change much when we talk about showings. A lot of people aren't aware that what your house has to be, you know, ready at all times when you list it. If you truly need to sell, and I think a lot of people right now, the people that were putting their houses on the market, they're putting them on because they wanted to see if they could benefit from the high prices. But the people that have to sell, if you have to 
to sell, make sure you are showing ready all times. And again, back to my list, make sure that you know you declutter, make sure you box everything nice and neatly, put it in the garage, put it in the basement, get things out of people's way, make sure your countertops are clear. You know, when, when you see all your gadgets, you sit there and say, yeah, look at me, I'm, I'm, I'm a chef. No, actually that person may want to order a lot of pizza and they need a place to put their pizza boxes. So you have to keep these kind of things in mind. If you can turn around and come in with an observer's eye, or for that matter, why don't you ask a friend or a family member to come by and say, can you walk through my house and tell me what I need to remove? Because one of the important things is get your house ready. Again, in markets that become a little bit more difficult to sell, you want to make sure your property is at its best and utmost uh, ability to show. So that's one of the things that you definitely want to make sure of and make sure that you make your property available. If you have too many constraints, you know, if you have an animal, for instance, and you have to be home for the animal, you know what, maybe put your your dog in a doggy hotel for a week and allow showings whenever, because when you start turning around saying no showings between this time and this time, you really are, you know, reducing your appeal. So do your best if you're going to do it. Now, let's flip over and put our buyer's hat on for a second. So buyers, do you think you have sellers over barrel or not? Well, one of the things that we know for sure is that value is still value. Sellers will not give their properties away at this point, despite the fact of things that have happened in the last little while. So we've got to keep this in mind. So if you start thinking that you're going to come in and start negotiating and say, I'm going to take a hundred or $200,000 off the asking price, basically you're going to be dead in the water. So establish your values, understand that the market, when a market shifts, you can reduce pricing in some areas, but don't get the idea that we are now in fire sale territory because the majority of people are not. Right now, most people are in a comfortable position where they're going to sell when they get the right price or the right offer. They may be a little bit more flexible. One of the good parts for a buyer today is the fact that you can now introduce your conditions again. And I think and always have thought that it's very important that you have a home inspection and that you have a condition on financing. These two things are very important when you are looking at your primary residence, someplace you're going to move into. Now, again, things do change when you buy investment properties. Not necessarily is everything the same. Sometimes you're buying brand new from a builder. So again, these will change. But keep in mind that right now, when you're buying, having a home inspection, especially in a primary residence, is very important. Because if you plan on living there a long time, you may not know about the water next year, but you may find out in a couple of years that your basement begins to flood. You may have an electrical problem. There are situations that come up. So it's always good to gain as much knowledge as possible. So lots of exciting things in the marketplace. Again, you know what? With the Bank of Canada increase in the interest rates, we're going to take probably about nine days to start feeling the effect of that because everybody that was able to lock in an interest rate prior to the increase is going to be able to ride that out and so I think come September October is when we're going to start seeing if the market fluctuates and of course what the government's been implementing over the last little while is the foreign buyer tax really affecting us that much or will we start to see a little bit of a bounce back in the next few months very similar to Vancouver. Well, we'll find out more. And uh, one of the things, as I mentioned, I've got Greg Benell from BNN. He's going to be joining me. Uh, Greg is a fountain of knowledge in the real estate world. And we're going to be talking a lot about our interpretation of the market. I know a lot of you turn around and, and, and I've had, you know, the emails and, and, and texts and things like that saying, hey, Todd, sometimes you sit on the fence on things. Um, I'm going to tell you this, and I'm going to be very frank about it. I believe right now that a lot of 
of these would-be buyers are sitting there, you know, hoping that the bottom of the market drops out uh, so that things can become affordable. I'm going to tell all of them to get over themselves. The reality is, is that every single person out in the real world has had to buy in a marketplace that still wasn't always affordable to them, but they would make the sacrifices. Now interest rates are going up, okay? And if anybody remembers, interest rates were a lot higher than 3%. So you can't sit there and blame the marketplace for not getting a property. Again, yes, prices will come back, but the reality is that they're not going to drop by 50%. So if that's what you're hoping for, don't hold your breath, because you know what? This market will flatten in the next few months. We will probably feel a little bit of a downturn come July, but at the end, by the end of the month, but when we start to come back up, don't be surprised if the market starts gaining gaining steam. Will we hit March's top price right away? No. But you can be sure that we're not going to keep going backwards. So if you're thinking of buying a property, don't wait. Okay, it's not going to be two hundred dollars or $300,000 cheaper in the next few months. That's just my take on it. And we've got more when we come back. And we'll be talking to Greg Bennell. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. So, you know what? The market has definitely taken a turn. And my next guest, of course, is a regular guest here on Simply Real Estate. It is Mr. Greg Bennell. He is host of House Money on BNN. And welcome back, Greg. Always a pleasure to be here. So, Greg, I got to tell you, you know, you and I talk every, I think, three to four weeks, kind of getting caught up in the market. And uh, since we last spoke, we've been watching the market go down. We now have an interest rate hike. There's so much for you and I to talk about today. Uh, where do you want to start? Let's start there. You know, that was so interesting in the fact that, okay, we know Toronto's come off in a very dramatic way since the peak of April. We had a lot of people saying, don't worry about it. It's going to play out just like Vancouver. There's the initial shock. Everyone goes, what's going on with this government regulation? They get on the sidelines. They don't want to play the game. They calm down after a few months. They get back in. But now, with an interest rate hike from the Bank of Canada, the first in almost seven years, that changes the game a bit. It's not the exact same blueprint now as what we saw in Vancouver of last year. What does it mean for Toronto bouncing back? That's the big question now. It's only 25 basis points. We know that. But at the same time, they do seem to be on that path. So even though we've only slightly veered off that cost of money course, we seem to be heading to a place where borrowing is going to be more and more expensive. So does that change the story in Toronto? That's sort of like the big question now. What effect will the rate hike have? And will we play it like Vancouver or is it going to be different this time? Well, you know, when Vancouver introduced the foreign buyer tax and they didn't, they didn't really do that much more. I mean, they actually threw in an incentive that people could get an extra 5% down payment from the government interest tree for five years. So it's almost like they tried to counteract, throw something out to the first time home buyers. But Greg, when this all went down last August, there was no threat of an interest rate hike. But we've compounded this one because, you know, the wind government came in, they did their 16 gauge approach to to knocking down the marketplace. They want to keep talking about affordability. And now with the 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 Bank of Canada introducing, you know, a little bit of an uptick to the interest rates, you know, so Toronto has actually got a weather, I think, a little bigger storm than Vancouver did last year, because Vancouver did get a bounce back, but they weren't dealing with both issues. You know, what's your take on that? Oh, exactly. And then now we've had the one rate hike. And basically, if you, so if you're trying to play the Vancouver template, you say, well, maybe, and this is what we heard before the Bank of Canada acted, maybe by the fall, Toronto starts to come back. Well, by the fall, if the Bank of Canada stays on this course, we're going to get another interest rate hike. And suddenly that insurance from the oil crash is all gone. That 50 basis points, that half a percentage point, it's back on the table. You're paying that. And then 
If the economic data is still looking good, we had some strong stuff today on the manufacturing space. A lot of the Canadian data is showing a pretty resilient economy. There's no reason for them to stop. So if they keep raising rates, it's going to be a very different psychology. Everyone will go and crunch the numbers and say, big deal. It's an extra 250 bucks a year for this guy, uh, an extra 350 for this person. I think it's more of the psychology. It's the same thing with the, uh, the moves that Ontario made. The big one for Ontario and Vancouver was the 15% foreign buyer tax. And Ontario used some different language, but that's what it comes down to. And it's not so much that there were so many foreign buyers in the market that that's what undid things. It was about people saying, they've done something. I don't know how it's going to play out. Do I want to be the person who puts all my money on the table at this very moment? Not sure what's going to happen two, three, four months, a year down the road. It's more that psychology. So yeah, I think there's definitely more at play for Toronto. And if we get that other rate hike again in the fall, there's even more incentive for people to say, whoa, I got to step back and figure out what's going on here. Yeah. You know, I, I, I liked your comment though about, you know, when we look at the uh, psychology of it, because we felt that this marketplace, you know, a lot of people, their impression was, let's put our house on the market. We're going to get a bidding war. All we want is a foreign buyer. They're going to drive the force of the multiple offer. You know, everybody thinks that they, they carelessly bid on real estate. You know, they, they're walking around with, you know, uh, suitcases filled with money. So this, this was part of that greed aspect. Now, you know, move it forward to April when all of a sudden let's implement the foreign buyer tax, you know, immediately. All of a sudden now we've got these people that are saying, well, wait a minute, if the foreign buyers aren't there, nobody's going to want to, you know, push for the price. So then, it, you know, you and I both watched the marketplace, people that were coming in at a lower asking price than they should to force multiple offers are now going up higher. And now we're starting to see more of a real negotiation happening, almost like a normalization of a real estate market, you know, I don't know if you're if, if you're feeling the same thing, but I think I think our our real estate market will being people need to be careful with the headlines when they see numbers starting to decrease. With you know, I don't want them overemphasizing it. We're actually dealing with more a psychological thing than we are with value. Well, if anything, it comes down to the fact that 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 like you said, it is healthier. It is healthier to show up to a house where you might spend 10, 15, 20 the years, the rest of your life, and say I like it, but let's put a few conditions in place. I want an expert to come through and tell me what work needs to be done. All these things just got thrown out the window at the top of the frenzy. If anything, we're in a healthier environment now for the buyer, the people that we felt for for so long with prices going up 30% year over year and people saying, how do I get into this market? Well, at least now we've seen the average price at least pull off from those highs in April. And you can walk in, you can set a few conditions. You can set conditional on financing maybe. I mean, these these used to be normal things. Someone, I want someone to come check out this house, tell me it's a good house to buy. I'm not going to buy it until the bank tells me I can have the money. Once all that stuff went out the window, I don't know if I would have been able to stomach that kind of real estate market if I was a buyer because you'd have a lot of sleep. At least I would. I'm sort of a conservative guy. I'd have a lot of sleepless nights if I was into a transaction like that. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because we're also now hearing through the ripples of more the financial end of things, people are not able to sell their homes. They bought because, you know, fast and furiously coming up into that April date. And now they, they decided, well, listen, I know my house is going to sell automatically. We're going to go firm here, 90-day closing. So we're watching a little bit of a staggered situation coming into, you know, th- this July market. And, you know, I've been talking to a lot of mortgage brokers and some are saying, listen, you know, we, we've got to put some carrying financing in people's place because they haven't sold their ho- their houses yet. I actually know some people in this situation right now who are friends of mine and they bought at the, uh, I wouldn't say at the very top, but when things were still hot and things were still pretty frenzy, they're having open houses 
closes every weekend. They're starting to worry now that they're going to have to lower the price. And you're right, the, the psychology, the big shift where everyone just thought, I'm going to get top dollar, the bidding wars, they are gone. Uh, when we talked earlier about the foreign buyer, I have another friend, actually, this is interesting. His parents are selling because the same idea. We're cashing it. We've been in this house uh, west of Toronto, out in Oakville for 25 years. It's time to go. We're retired. We don't need to be here. They sold it to a foreign buyer. And, but this idea that people said, well, they come with suitcases of money. They don't care at all. These foreign buyers have actually been very cautious and they're watching the market and they did an appraisal before they made their offer. They've done two appraisals since and they're still waiting for closing. They want a sense of that the market hasn't, uh, hasn't gone away, that they don't want it to go. So contrary to the opinion where they show up all this money, they don't care about 15% surcharges, they don't care about this or that. They actually do care. These people are, are moving here in this instance to sort of start a life. They want to make sure they're making the right move. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, Greg, uh, I'm going to have you stay put. Uh, so when we come back, I want to talk more about the market and some of the interpretations that you and I are making on a weekly basis. Uh, folks, I've got Greg Bennell with me. He is host of House Money on BNN. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about the market and where we are today and where are we going to be tomorrow. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. If you're just tuning in, my guest right now is Mr. Greg Bennell. He is host of House Money on BNN. And Greg, just before the break, you and I were talking about, you know, the little bit of the interpretation nowadays about foreign buyers. You know, before people were thinking that people are going to show up on their doorstep with just bags <laughs> of money. And yet, you know, I think that there was a lot more savvy buyers out there. And even if we talk foreign investment money, there were a lot more savvy people out there than, than we were led to believe. Yeah, I was talking about some of the stories I've heard from people and someone I know whose parents have sold to a foreign buyer, and it's not the, the money bags being thrown at everything. They're being cautious. They're having appraisals done post what the Ontario government did. They're planning on moving here and starting a life. And uh, yeah, it's, it's not the free-for-all that was painted in the fact that don't worry about it, that there's going to be bids and bids and bids. And the idea too that, and I, I ascribe to some of it during the, the frenzy, that they can be the marginal buyer. If you really want that house and you're trying to get money out of a certain region of the world, then the marginal buyer will set the price at the high end. But at the same time, from what I'm hearing about what's actually happening on the ground, uh, they're pretty much as cautious as the rest of us. They don't make a bad investment. Yeah. So if you and I talk about the market and where we're going to end up this year, I mean, we know what we we can look behind the last six months, you know, determine that market had this crazy, crazy increase up until kind of a beginning of April. And then all of a sudden we've started to watch this decline in the marketplace for May and June. You know, year over year, though, they're still saying if you if you bought something at the end of June last year, your property's worth 15 percent more at the end of June this year. Uh, I had Phil Soper uh, on last week, uh, president uh, at Royal Page. His comment was that, you know, they're predicting that 15 to 18% year over year increase by year end. But, you know, you and I watched this crazy increase, let's say, and I'll just call out March for a second. I mean, 33% increase, Mm -hmm. you know, in, in some places, you know, huge, huge increase even month over month. And now we're starting to see it check up. Should we should we actually think for a second that people that bought March 2017 will actually see their 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 value still intact in March 2018? 
Yeah, that's a big question. <laughs> that could be a two, three hundred, four hundred thousand dollar question for some people. I, I would only say to that, I hope that people who bought at that point, which could very well turn out to be the top of this Toronto market for for quite a while, because I mean, there's always cycles. But if this is the top for the, for this cycle, I just hope they didn't push it right to the limit and took as much house as they could and as much money as they could and really extended themselves because that. And they have a plan to stay there for a while. If you can ride it out, if you get into your home and you turn around and a year later. You say, ooh, I bought it for eight hundred thousand dollars. It looks like the market tells me it's about six eighty-five right now. But you're not going anywhere. If you're planning on staying there for five years, you got a five-year fix. You're planning on maybe spending your life there. On paper, it doesn't look great. But if you can make your monthly payments and you're locked into that mortgage, then you can ride it out and you can survive it. So that's my only fear that people who just went too far, too fast, might have been caught up in the frenzied and weren't smart about it, could find themselves in a very bad place. But if you're sort of prudent and didn't take as much house as everyone was pushing at you, then you're probably going to be all right. Right. And, and you know, you and I can you and I called out speculators a little while ago saying, listen, folks, be very careful. Um, you know, I know you and I talked even back in the fall about this, is that a market can only stay hot for so long. And some of these speculators that were coming into the marketplace saying, hey, listen, I'm going to buy and make myself a quick 100K. They're not in a position probably today. If they bought in the last, you know, few months, meaning, you know, January to March, being a speculator, they've probably got themselves caught offside. But one of the biggest problems and and you know you and I can you and I can talk about this but is also the idea of renting the property to carry I mean mm-hmm. with this huge increase in in costing to buy properties r- there's no rent out there that's going to be able to maintain that debt yeah, uh, John Pasalis a philosophy. I've had some conversations with him, and he's done some interesting work on this. And basically, looking at listings, what they sold for, then seeing when they show up. A lot of this was in north of, north of Toronto, and uh, what they showed up for in the rental market. And he did the math, and he's like, "Yeah, no, these these are being rented out at a monthly loss. They are not covering the carrying cost of this mortgage." And that was speculation. That was like, "I don't care. I don't care if my if my all in costs are twenty five hundred dollars a month. I'm only getting eighteen hundred dollars in rent. This market will go on." For forever. So that's, that's a bit of a, a spooky scenario. I know that other uh, economists, even like Benjamin Tal over at CIVC, he's been worried for a long time for the past couple of years, not so much about the foreign buyer, but about the domestic speculator, because he thinks they're the ones who are counting basis points. When you're, when you're doing this, you're looking for some sort of return. You're looking for big annual price increases. If you're actually in a position where your rent is more than your carrying cost, and you're making a bit of money, they're the ones really counting those points. So interest rate hikes, all these different regulations, that could get them out of the market. And force uh, downward price pressure, really. Yeah. And you and I have talked about real estate investment and real estate speculation over the last, you know, 18 months. And real estate investment, for our listeners' sake, is always, you know, break-even positive cash flow, somewhere in that range. It's not the idea that, you know, I'm offsetting my losses because my price is going up by, you know, exponential amount. And for us, one of the things that, you know, we try to encourage everybody here at Simply Real Estate is that, you know, cash flow is king. Even if it's, even if you're just making $5 a month after everything, you're not losing money. And in a marketplace like this, you know, who knows how long this, you know, some people are calling it a blip. We don't know how long it will happen. You know, I think that July, I think when they finish up the numbers at the end of July, I think we're probably still going to see a bit of a decrease, but more because it's that, that, that summer marketplace, not because of the fear of people buying and selling. 
Yeah, it's like with any asset, and people will ask, you know, like on BNN, we'll have call-in shows about stocks specifically, and someone will call in and say, where is this going in the next three to five months? And these money managers who do this all day will say, I don't know about three to five months. Anything can happen in three to five months. Do I think it's a good company? Do I think it looks good in four or five years? Yeah, I do. And it's sort of like the housing market, too. People are saying, tell me what's going to happen by September or October. And it's like, that. well, it's pretty hard to say. And the wild card in all this, and you and I have had these discussions long before Ontario, the Ontario government acted, you know, what derails the Ontario? housing market, the greater Toronto area housing market, and the wild card was always government intervention. You don't know what the policymakers are going to do, what trigger they're going to pull, and what effect it's going to have. And now we've seen the trigger pulled, and we've seen at least the immediate effect of it, and it's been pretty pretty pronounced. You know, I was, I was going to ask you this, because let's suppose that the provincial government had not gotten involved, and yet the Bank of Canada started to bring the rates up. That's more of a, a natural normalization of a marketplace. When you get interference and I'd like to call, you know, I'd like to call a flag for sure on Kathleen Wynne on this one because I think I think she went at too many approaches, you know, rent control, this, that, you know, I I, I think they overdid it, and I think the real repercussion is going to be, fa- you know, we will feel it in the next six to twelve months, not just the first two or three. But if we if we take a look at it, do you think that the market probably w- was running out of steam? Because I, I I felt that over the last couple of months, even before the Wynne government stepped in, I thought we we're kind of hitting that crescendo, and I thought eventually. You you know, if the if the bank of Canada moves, this should be the one that is a slow deflation. I've seen a lot of people crunch the numbers on that too, and they come down right where you are, Todd, saying this market was starting to exhaust itself because people were saying, I can't be a part of this bidding war. Those prices are just too nuts. What used to amaze me, when I bought my place 10 years ago, we haggled over three grand. We went back and forth, you know, and the agent goes out to the car and goes, no, 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 no. Sure. It was $3,000 in the end, we thought we won, you know, we talked yeah. down by three grand. I, I was talking to people saying, hey, let's listen for one, two, I'm going to go for one, three, or one, four. I was like, you realize those decimal points are hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? But it was sort of, it was getting to that mindset. But there was a sense out there, and there's even seen some data that supports this, that people finally said, enough is enough. This is madness. So if the Ontario government hadn't acted, it probably wouldn't have dropped off as sharply, but it probably would have rolled over of its own accord. Then the interest rate hike comes. That gives people another pause, another reason to to consider maybe they're not in a position right now to buy. Yeah, so there's definitely a strong argument to be made that the wind government and those 16 moves, like you said, there was a lot of things in there. And there's probably even the sheer size of of the package of measures that they took that really made people think, I'm not even sure how these will work together and what's going to happen in the end. I've got to sit this one out. Yeah, great point. I think, I think Greg, one of the things that we, you know, you and I both know, having, having watched the markets over the years, is the fact that when you touch interest rates, it first affects the bottom part of the market, the first-time home buyer, mm-hmm. which then affects the move-up buyer, which then affects that million-dollar buyer that has been drive, the driving force over the last few years because it wasn't necessarily just the people buying at four and five hundred thousand that was making the market go crazy you know when we start hearing averages around 1.1 million dollars it had to come from somewhere yeah and that's one of the things that I think that what we've got to see and watch is the first-time home buyers and what they are going to do over the next six months well when we talk about the first-time home buyer it was last fall when the federal government came in and said we're gonna stress test those insured mortgages because basically if you're a first-timer and you didn't get a big whack of cash from somewhere. I did it. I had to get an insured mortgage when we bought our first place 15 years ago. But they bought in the stress test to say that we know you can get a mortgage for 2.7%. We're going to test you at 4.6% just to make sure you can carry it, which is good for financial stability. But we know that it robbed anywhere from 16 to 18% of their purchasing power. They couldn't get as much house as they thought they could. Now we have the banking regulator, OSFI, proposing as early as this fall, we're going to take that stress
stress test extended to everybody. That could be another big thing for the countrywide market, uh, not, and for definitely Toronto, where suddenly all buyers are robbed of about 18% of their purchasing power. This could be the next big thing. I know Benjamin Tao over at CIBC is out with a fresh report just saying that he thinks that's a bigger threat than interest rates. I know Rob McLister at RateSpy is saying they're playing with fire here. This will be the, the interesting one to watch this fall. Sure. Well, listen, Greg, always a pleasure to have you on the show. You and I'll uh, stay in touch, and that way we can keep our listeners up to date on what's going on. So thanks so much for joining us today. Always great to be here. Excellent. Thanks so much. And folks, that was Greg Bennell. Stay with me, because coming up, I've got Minutes with the Mayor. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. So, as you know, my favorite section of the week is Minutes with the Mayor. And as I had uh, introduced just before we went to break, uh, I'm very fortunate uh, having joined me in studio today is the Mayor of Brampton, and it is Linda Jeffrey. And Madam Mayor, welcome to the show. Nice to be here. So, um, you know, I don't know if uh, everybody understands Brampton. I I think they all know the name, but I'd like to start off by saying understand Brampton. Can you perhaps just give us a little bit of an overview of the city of Brampton? I, I mean, it's it's quite a substantial city, actually. Mm-hmm. You know, if you haven't been to Brampton in a few years, and uh, many people who came through in the last uh, year or so, when they contact me and they're like, I, I don't even recognize the landmarks that used to be there are gone. It's a huge city uh, and still growing. Uh, 600,000 people. And uh, we have uh, one of the most diverse populations, I think, somewhere in anywhere in Canada. And uh, it's very young. Average age is 34. Uh, huge growth uh, and three uh, new healthcare facilities, uh, one being Brampton Civic, almost a billion dollars in healthcare. Uh, Peel Memorial has been rebuilt. We're about to open Aeronaut Kids, which is another healthcare facility. So these are all less than 10 years old. Uh, huge growth. Uh, the 410 Highway is being rebuilt so that that north-south collector is an, a better way to get into town. We're uh, focusing on uh, making sure uh, all of our roads and our infrastructure is in good shape to help uh, support this huge, growing, vital, bustling city. (laughs) You know, you and I were talking off air just uh, a little bit about Brampton, and now you have lived in the Brampton area for quite a long time, haven't you? Yeah, I moved there in 83. I... uh Moved into a house in July, August I got pregnant, and uh, my, a month later my husband lost his job. Exciting way to begin uh, <laughs> moving into Brampton, but I raised all three of my boys there and uh, began political life back in 1991 as, a, as an alderman at the time. Wow. So if you can maybe t- uh, touch on a little bit about your history as well, because you've actually been uh, a minister in several sections of the government. Yeah. Yeah, no, I... Uh, I got into politics uh, actually at the very beginning because my mayor drowned. Uh, Our mayor went out to PEI and and, uh, drowned in the undertow in PEI and uh, I got into politics because everybody kind of moved up after he left. I was a city councillor for, or an alderman for 12 years. And then I got mad. I didn't like the way the province was managing infrastructure in my city, particularly the 410 highway and healthcare. Mm -hmm. We had one small uh, hospital to serve almost 300,000 people at the time. So I went down to the province. I was there about 11 years, uh, was a backbencher for a few years, and then I served as the Minister of uh, Natural Resources, mm-hmm. a cool position. Sure. Uh, then became the Minister of Labor and responsible for seniors. And my last position was uh, Minister of Municipal Affairs and Housing and the Chair of Cabinet. And while I was the Minister of Municipal Affairs and Housing, we were dealing with issues like uh, the Mayor of Toronto, Rob Ford. So uh, <laughs> trial by fire. 
And uh, then I, about two years ago, I started to hear people in Brampton saying, please come back. Um, the city is growing and uh, we're not reaching our full potential. And at the time, um, my council, my city was uh, on the front page of the paper with Rob Ford. Right. Uh, there were a lot of scandals at City Hall. And uh, at that point, I had enough experience uh, as a cabinet minister and, and really knew how a good city should be run and decided to throw my hat in the ring, and the good people of Brampton decided to make me their mayor. Excellent. Well, you know, it, that's, it's amazing to sit here and, and have a conversation with you because um, I've, I've known of you for years, obviously, uh, being part of the government. But when, uh, when you became the mayor, you know, everybody was uh, kind of on that, let's wait and see how Brampton now evolves. Because, again, as you had mentioned, there, was, there were situations that happened in Brampton. Everybody, they made all the papers, of course. And yet, Brampton still continued to grow. And you and I were talking about this a little bit earlier. Uh, regarding, you know, the, the tail wagging the dog as opposed to the dog wagging the tail. Maybe we can talk a little bit about that because the idea that a lot of people, I think, have the perception of Brampton is that, you know, you can buy, you know, great real estate. You've got a lot of fabulous builders out there. Uh, you know, it's been constantly growing, but one of the biggest complaints, of course, is the infrastructure. Yeah. You know, the busing to schools, the lack of perhaps public transit. So people do struggle with that, but there are those people that are overcoming it and you know they are they are moving of course into Brampton because Brampton has done so well from a real estate perspective but can you can you elaborate for this you know one of the reasons that I moved to Brampton was I was able to afford a home and although it was a stretch uh, it, it was a great place to raise a family that hasn't changed it is still a great place to raise a family now my grandchildren are growing up in Brampton but I would say it's also a great place to invest it has um, great bones, and we still have the most undevelopable land in the GTA. And the proximity to Toronto is a huge factor in attracting business. Uh, in particular, we're, we're wooing um, people who are in the health and life sciences sector. Uh, we're about to get a university. Uh, Ryerson University is going to be our new partner in building a post-secondary institution. But it is a city that um, really... Uh, the leadership in the city up until now really hasn't been focused on two or three things that they want to do really well. We kind of had a scattergun approach to everything we, that we wanted to improve as a city. So my job as mayor is to help people focus. From a financial perspective, we have our fiscal house in order in a, in a way that we didn't before. Uh, we have a better credit rating, which gives certainty to business that wants to invest in Brampton. We have incentives for people who want to invest anywhere along our Queen Street corridor so that those healthcare institutions that want to come. Uh, have an incentive to build in an area that we see density being built. We uh, are talking to other levels of government, government, whether it's the federal, provincial government, about building our uh, GO line so that it connects Kitchener, Waterloo and Toronto. We're in the middle of that corridor. We're working with the GTAA, the Greater Toronto Airport Authority, to help build that last mile of transportation in and out of the airport. Logistics is a huge file in Brampton. Lots of uh, companies want to be close to the airport or within driving distance of Toronto. That's a huge market for us. 
So we're tr we as a city are trying to enable those customers, those businesses, to build and be successful in Brampton. Yeah. No. You know when uh, when when we had talked earlier about it, um, you know I, I I found it very appealing that um, you've now been you know sought out by other countries that are looking at investing in the city of Brampton. Of course, you know we'll we'll say in Canada, but you know they more or less targeting Brampton. And one of the things that uh, in real estate we know that a lot of new immigrants do gravitate towards Brampton. Uh, you mentioned um, a couple minutes ago that you know you've got a very young uh, demographic there, which is which is quite wonderful because back you know years ago there was quite an aging demographic that you know people had originally moved in in the 50s, 60s, and 70s, and so yep. now you're starting to see a resurgence of more of a youthful uh, population, which is very positive for growth. Okay. But are you finding are you finding that there has there been any feedback on the implementation? of the foreign buyer tax at all because the wind government of course I as as all my listeners know I always call it the 16 gauge shotgun approach it's like something's got to work um, you know markets have been affected we've seen that over the last two months but um, are you are you still seeing that, that strong desire and drive for Brampton so I don't pretend to be a real estate <laughs> expert but what I can tell you is that it is challenging to keep up with all the people that want to meet with me who want to invest in Brampton. Right. I would say that that young, diverse, educated population that I serve is uh, a huge draw for people who want to invest or move to Brampton, whether it's for a home or for a business opportunity. Um, I would say every week I'm meeting with people from overseas and across Canada that look at Brampton as being a place that has great potential. Uh, the, the announcement about the university that the province made is hugely helpful. Uh, I didn't notice that the, uh, the announcement that the Premier made with regards to the real estate changes that they made, I haven't noticed any change. I would say that there's been a slowing of the market, but I don't think it has anything to do with that announcement. Right. I think it's just a cooling of the market, uh, possibly, but it, I don't Based on the realtors that I've talked to, the Brampton Real Estate Association I met with last week, uh, they're very busy. Yeah. So I would say it, it hasn't had an impact. Our challenge is to get the right mix as a city is very important. And uh, it, that's, it's a juggling and a balancing act for me to try and make sure that we get the infrastructure in the ground, that we uh, provide the certainty to business and those that want to invest. And you're right, the city has changed and evolved in the last 20, 30 years. Uh, my South Asian community has really typified Brampton as a sleeping community, that you leave to go to work, you come home to sleep. Right. It has changed, it's evolving uh, to the point where people are actually living and working in Brampton. There's enough, there's the same amount of people going in down south on the 410 as there are coming into Brampton every single day. Sure, you know, I've noticed that actually when, when, when I do go into Brampton and if you do go north, um, it, it is a very steady stream both directions. So yeah. as you said, uh, you know, you've got, you're employing more and more people in Brampton. I mean, you are the ninth biggest city in Canada and, you know, you continue to grow sooner or later. I think you're going to catch up and, uh, you know, slowly, you know, bunny hop uh, up, up the ladder. And, and in You mean the, overtake Mississauga? Yes, we will. <laughs> well, you know, eventually I think that's very possible because Mississauga you know they've kind of hit their their boundaries and a little bit of infill is not going to help them they're built out yeah they are you know and they were the beneficiary of a lot of those infrastructure dollars sure because they had more voices at the regional table but it is brampton's turn yeah uh we want to uh 
be innovative and bold and creative and having a university like Ryerson is really uh, giving us the cool factor, the sure. edge, I think, and having a great, young, diverse population is uh, something employers want, seek. You know, we had a problem a few years ago when we opened Brampton Civic, I think it was eight years ago. We couldn't get enough nurses locally. We had to poach them from other hospitals and other parts of Canada. Uh, I don't want that to be the problem ever again. I, I, I don't want people to have to leave my city to get great health care. Sure. I want them to have it in their backyard uh, close to home. Excellent. Well, Madam Mayor, it's been a real pleasure having you here. And Thank I greatly you. appreciate you joining us on Simply Real Estate. Um, so, again, uh, if any last... Uh, comments you want to make about Brampton you know people should I I personally think people should come visit and really you know feel it out because it's a great place how long do I have <laughs> uh, come to Brampton come down in the summer we have a beautiful garden square we show movies under the stars we have uh, music engage park where you can sit and listen to uh, orchestras uh, symphonies uh, it's all free it's very affordable we have splash pads for young kids it's uh, it's a place to raise your families it's a place to uh, Come and investigate, explore. You're welcome to come visit Brampton, and I think you won't want to leave. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank okay. You. And I would like to thank the Mayor of Brampton, uh, Linda Jeffrey, for joining me. Uh, always great to have minutes with the mayors and, you know, interesting stuff about Brampton. So if it's a place that you're looking to buy, uh, definitely go visit there. Um, Brampton's a wonderful city. It's growing. It continues to grow. And with um, with the mayor there, uh, she's taking great care of it. So, you know, definitely we're going to see some fabulous growth in the near future. Also, I want to thank Greg Bennell, uh, Greg Bennell from uh, the uh, House money on BNN. Always great to have Greg on. He is awesome to talk to and always really good with uh, the information uh, that, you know, he deciphers so well. And don't forget, you can tune in to House Money on BNN and watch Greg. Anyways, I want to thank everybody for tuning in this week. You know, it's been an exciting week as usual. And um, we've got our show returning next Saturday at 3 p.m. And by the way, I've got Al McDonald, Mayor of the City of North Bay. That's right. We're going to go north and we're going to talk about North Bay. So when we come back next week, we've got all sorts of things to talk about. I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. You've been listening to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010.